And I thought, I'm 21, who cares, I'm, I'm doing this. So I dropped out of school and focused my time at the restaurant. In my mind, you have to put other people before you. If you do that with a loving heart, like that is gonna transcend any sort of system or procedure that you could have because they appreciate it. You're listening to the NEI Pioneer Podcast, where we showcase and share authentic stories of Northeast Indiana. In this episode of the podcast, we have a guest host, Mark, who will be joining us as a partner from Barrett McNagney, and we're going to be interviewing one of their legal clients and a Fort Wayne business owner, James Kahn. If you live in Northeast Indiana and the name James Kahn isn't familiar to you, I'm sure one of his many popular restaurants will be, Hoppy Gnome, Proximo, and Baker Street. This is a great conversation where James shares his story of growing up in a low-income family, to dropping out of college, to then becoming a successful business owner of multiple restaurants in a region that he grew up in. His passion for the people in the community that he serves, as well as his family, is evident in the stories that he shares of overcoming challenges along the way. You really won't want to miss this conversation and I won't stand in your way any longer. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to our premiere episode of the NEI Pioneer Podcast. I'm Jonathan Sackett. I'm Ryan Twist. And we've got some great guests today. I am so excited for this show and not just because today's special guest brought beer. And I'm not <laughs> kidding, they're on the table. Um, so today we've got James Kahn, who's here from Obikai Restaurant. And I also wanted to point out, and we're going to start with Mark Baines. Oh boy. Mark, first of all, uh, Mark is here, is an attorney from Barrett McNagney, and we have them to thank for this show, along with Sweetwater. So Mark is a partner with Barrett McNagney. Hey, hey, very big kind time, of a very big, big deal. time, yeah. Like, I don't know, I, I, need you to, I need you to come correctly when you're introducing my um, friend here. Yeah, happy, happy to support it. The, the space looks great, and uh, the couches are comfy. And we have yeah. drinks. And we yeah. have drinks. Well, the thing, Mark, I, I, if it's okay with you, I know you're kind of a, a guest host sure. with us today. But I got to tell you, the, the team was printed out your bio for me, and there's a couple of things that are standing out here. Wow. I wasn't sure there was anything that would stand out on my bio. Cum Laude, Wabash College. That is that is accurate. It is it is it is actually uh, very much in Latin. The entire uh, diploma from Wabash is in Latin on sheepskin. Very old school. Wow. Is that true? With the translation on the back of it. I could walk you over to my office after this All and right, show you. Let's kill the show. We're going. <laughs> so there's that uh, member of the Wabash College football team. Yes, I was, yeah. What position? Um, uh, some pounds ago, I played quarterback and actually even played a little wide receiver. Get out of here. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're just full of surprises. And <laughs> JD Cum Laude, Laude, right? Indiana University, Moore School of Law, Bloomington. All of that is accurate, yes. And you and Ryan went to school together. We did, yes. Did you guys know each other before law school? No. No. Oh. No, we met down there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would usually see Ryan if we were out having fun somewhere. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny. Never in the library. So we saw each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because that's how I know you is through him. It's it so through fun. He's also the glue that binds. Mm -hmm. um, so so Mark's going to join us as one of the hosts of the show today. And again, Barrett McNagney, great partnership. Can't thank you enough yeah. for everything. Our pleasure. Um, so, okay, let's get into it with James Kahn. Yeah, okay. Okay. So I have a ton of questions for you about, so how many restaurants does Obikai manage own we own uh three restaurants yeah and three restaurants and a brewery uh, own and manage them ourselves yeah okay and and how did you get into this because you're from fort wayne right from born and born and raised here kind of grew up uh 
poor and went to I lived on the southeast side of town as that was um I mean in the 80s and 90s and uh so went to Harding High School and didn't go, do a go lot Hawks. of What's that? Hawks? Yeah, Harding Hawks. Go That's Hawks. Right. That's right. Um you'll you'll find out soon but uh Mark and I both combined to get uh, one bachelor's degree and one law degree. So uh, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> so can I add my resume yeah, to his? Yeah, and yeah, we're, his, we're okay, all no. thrown in together. Uh, <laughs> That's how that works. Okay. So I was actually a really great student in high school and um I didn't want to leave my mom. I uh, didn't want to move very far. I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to live in a trailer court. So my college prep was asking uh my guidance counselor, like, hey, where could I go? My physics teacher, actually. Where could I go and and get a job using physics? And he was like, yeah, engineers. And I, I'm, I thought, like, a train driver? Like, why would they? It's on a track. And he was like, no, 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 they, they design things. Oh, here, have, a, have this striped hat. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, so the next question was, okay, well, uh, is there an engineering school that, that is close to Fort Wayne? And he's like, yeah, Purdue. I'm like, great. So... Applied 15 minutes or however long it takes to apply, got accepted, didn't do any other college prep, and then went to Purdue. Um, and Would you, ha- you had a propensity for mathematics or something? Or I, yeah, I, I still do. I'm a huge nerd. I love math. Really? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, all right. um, but what I, I found out later in life, what I really love is problem solving. Um, and like physics, especially, was really fun in high school to me. Like, again, proving the fact that I'm a nerd. Like, you used to get these problems, like, a backpack fell from a plane and, you know, it's windy and there's a thunderstorm. And you have to find, like, the trajectory that somebody else has to dive to get it. And so it's like five, six pages of work and then you get, I don't know, super nerdy. Okay. So let's just suffice to say I'm a huge nerd. You had me at nerd. Yeah, okay. okay so just because you're an expressive guy and you're kind of talk with your hands, I can't help but notice there's an injury. Yeah. I told you we're going to ask some questions. I, it, uh, long story short, I sat on my finger. And I'm. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we should maybe we should make it a medium story because that sounds pretty bad yeah. too. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, How about long story yeah. medium. Yeah, yeah let's, let's yeah, go long story, story medium. medium on that. Can we? And by the way, yeah. that's when the show really took a dump. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So I want to hear I want to hear the medium. Story. Uh, so uh, I've also like I wrestled one uh, at 112 pounds my senior year of high oh school. Oh my goodness! So, wow. One speak, Speaking of yeah. speaking of pounds ago, yeah, right. walking around school and the wrestling coach is like, "Hey, you go here." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "How much do you weigh?" I need a really light kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I need a tiny, do, tiny. Do you weigh about human. 112 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> he's measuring them up. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm four foot eleven and 90 pounds, and I got my vars my, the first one to get my varsity letter in my class because no, there awesome. wasn't another human in the school that was that small. So yeah, that's so. Anyways, did you wrestle uncontested? Oh yeah, the, there was no one to no. Nice. I had never wrestled before. I went like I went zero and sixteen and one in one in sixteen. I, I beat one kid. Uh, I got pinned twice by uh, one. Of, I think his name was Keon Brooks. He was a senior at Northside, and uh, he was state champ or state runner up as a junior, and he was a senior my freshman year. And my whole team is like. Making fun of me. I'm, this is really pertinent to Northeast Indiana, but no, that's okay. Yeah, so he's, my whole team's like, "Hey, this guy's gonna kill you." Like, there's no support. I was so nervous the first time I wrestled. He pinned me in nine seconds. Like, it's really hard to do. That's how long it takes right, to well, walk out to well, the mat. It, it, it takes three to pin. Three with your shoulders on the ground. Like, right. So, and somebody's got to do something. <laughs> yeah. He must have saw did me. Did you just run out pit. there and fall on your back? Is <laughs> For <that> sure. 
And then I remember the second time we played, we wrestled Northside. Like, he uh, toyed with you for six seconds. <laughs> right, yeah. And then he got bored. <laughs> the second time we wrestled Northside, he pinned me in 33 seconds. Oh. And he picked me up and slapped me on the butt. He's like, hey, man, good job. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. So, so yeah. Uh, anyways, so to my finger... Uh, I, I've gained a couple of the pounds, as you might say, <laughs> okay. over the years, and I'm. And you were checking. It, what's? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I've been working out. And I've been going to this gym, and uh, it's like a group group gym, True Fit Sport and Fitness. It's they're phenomenal. I'm doing this this leg lift thing on my back, and then my my pants are like sliding up. I've got like a plumber's thing happening here in the middle of the gym, and. So as my legs are in the air and I'm doing this leg lift thing, I try to reach up and grab my pants and pull them and cover, you know, my butt. And I wasn't strong enough to do that, like, without coming. So the gravity and my fat legs came flying down on my finger and and busted my bone in half. We you know, should have stuck with long story yeah, short. I was, yeah, <laughs> I tried to tell you I sat on it. Like, just just yeah. so that we're all on the same page. You yeah. remember in the pre-show when we were talking about you not having a filter? Yeah. Well, you just proved it. Thank I told you, you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. There's really not should, much. This should make for a good interview. There's no, there's no secret. You expect to learn something about business. First of all, how did you go from not doing the best at college to becoming this entrepreneur who owns... Uh, a, a couple of categories of restaurants. You know, uh, whew, man, a, a thousand things, I guess. So I had a an engineering on top of it. Yeah, I had a I had an engineering internship in um, after my junior year in New Haven. Okay, and worked there that summer, and they they offered to hire me in after I graduated if I would transfer back to IPFW. It was IPFW at the time, and finished my degree there. And I thought, you know, I I was Barely, I was happy to just be getting by at college. I was having a lot more fun. Yeah. Res- turns out I was researching how to make good beer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. And market <laughs> so, research. That's right. how to maintain it. Yeah, just the dividends on that were about 20 years late. But uh, <laughs> So I I thought, man, it's time to grow up. I, should, I, I need to take advantage of this, get a job. And so I transferred back to IPFW. And um, it, this is the kind of decisions that I made as a, as a young adult. I... I didn't have enough money um, to have car insurance, so um, I, I had I was saving money for. Apparently, my Geico commercials weren't. Yeah, they weren't effective in 1999 or whenever that was 2000 maybe. So um, I got in a car accident uh, my my first week of classes, and it was a no fault accident. So and it was on campus, so there was no actual police report, and it was uh, hey, you pay for your car, you pay for your car. Well. This guy had a Jeep Wrangler and T-boned me, and I had like a little uh, Eagle Talon, so my axle oh was my broke. I, I, my car was destroyed. His car had like a paint chip on it, so um, I I had to get a second job and uh, you know work to pay this car off. And there's no Uber. This is this was 2000, I think. Two, yeah, 2000, and. Uh, I could basically get a, a ride one time a day. So I chose to get a ride to work and work all day to save money. And again, not making great decisions. Where were you working? I was working at Allmet in New Haven. Okay. Um, they, they fabricate steel and they have an engineering component that, that does schema- electrical schematics for these asphalt control plants. Um, so working there, chose to work to get money to pay for things. Didn't bother to pick up the phone and call IPFW and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop these classes while I work." I just 
didn't and chose to instead to get straight Fs. So Purdue is a pretty decent engineering school, and they don't like it when seniors get Fs. So they their their uh, choice is to kick somebody out. So I got kicked out for my second semester, and kept working. Didn't really bother me too much. Um, then you know, I mean I would guess I was embarrassed to be kicked out of school. Um, by the summer, I had reapplied to get back in, um, and it was this huge process. I got accepted. I had fixed my car in the meantime, um, but now my student loans were due because I'd been out of school for six months. Oh, yeah. So, like, okay, I need to get a second job. So I started, I got a job at Biagi's. They were opening in Fort Wayne. Um, and you mentioned off, off camera that like you got demoted in your first professional job. Oh, I got, yeah. I got hired as a server at Biagi's. And uh, showed up first day and like, bus yeah, no, you're, exactly. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not, not going to make it. He said from busboy to business pioneer. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a true story. So, so uh, it didn't really bother me. I just needed cash. Um, but what I found, uh, I did one more semester of college uh, that fall and was working at BIG's. I got promoted to food runner and server and bartender and, I would be at my engineering job thinking of different ways to sell stuffed mushrooms at when I would go that night to serve. And I realized I really loved, like, in, in engineering at, at that job and at my level. So surely there's smarter people that were more dedicated to the craft that got to do more challenging things, but I didn't. Like, it was like, okay, here's this basic work, you do this. At Biagi's, it was... It was a challenge every night. It, it, different people, different circumstances, you know, different mess ups and different problems to solve every single day. And I just, I loved it. And by the end of that semester, so I had worked two jobs and did one my senior year, first semester. And I thought, why am I going to school? I love doing this restaurant thing. And they were asking me to jump into their management program. And I thought, I'm 21. Who cares? I'm, I'm doing this. So I dropped out of school and, uh, Focus my time at the restaurant. Did, did you call them? This I did time? call them this time. Okay. Yeah, I let them know, like, hey, thanks for everything. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> they were like, great, good choice. Yeah, <laughs> you were that crappy wrestler kid, right? That yeah, was you. Yeah. Okay, you got pinned in nine <laughs> seconds, dude. What well, are you, you know, doing here? So, okay, so do you think that that was a catalyst to explore your own creativity, and you didn't have that outlet before, or, I, you know, honestly, I think that I, in growing in the '80s and '90s, like every conversation for me anyways in school was you have to go to college you have to go to college you have to go to college oh yeah um i i i think it's great that we're not necessarily pitching the same thing i think there's a lot of trades that are good but i i, I graduated high school at 17 and it, i mean for most of my from eight years old to 17 i mean by nine ten years old i was paying bills with i mean you know i wasn't paying a mortgage but I was helping my mom with groceries or helping my mom with electric bill. Or if I made some money, it, it was hers. And um, she obviously didn't take that all the time, but I, it was there for her. Sure. So I was a pretty responsible, you know, driven kid. And then you put me into a college dorm where somebody else is like, there's no bills for food. There's no bills for drinks. Like you have Somehow a place to stay. Somehow there's always beer in the small fridge though, right? Yeah. Then yeah. you could you could spend your, your time hustling to... Mm -hmm. To find a way to find some alcohol. So the freedom that was allotted to me in college um, was something I wasn't prepared for. So, 
Well, yeah. you know, and, and the other thing that, that came up in, in the pre-show, you and I were talking about, you and I have a lot of synergy with both Milwaukee and Chicago. Yeah. And it was, I was thinking about this while you were talking, uh, like, what made you stay here to do it? Like, why the Fort Wayne area? 100% my mom. Really? Yeah, I would never. I, Did I, you ever consider expanding to Chicago, Milwaukee? Not. I, we've we've been asked several times. Yeah. And I have my family there that say all the time, just come up here. But I I would never, ever, still today, leave my mom. I, I got married when I was 26, and my wife was raised in Germany. Oh, where um, in Germany? Stuttgart. Oh, yeah. So she, she was raised in Stuttgart in Norway. One of the conversations we had was like, well, we could live here, we could live here. I was like, we can live in Fort Wayne. Like and this is I wasn't even I made thirty thousand dollars a year as a restaurant manager at Biagi's. It's not like I was like, you know, some sort of hey, yeah, I've made it here and like, you're a player now. A play. And I was like, <laughs> we are not leaving my mom. And uh, yeah, and I, I even I think said at some point like, hey, we should really talk about this because I'm really not going to leave my mom. But fortunately, she grew up similarly single parent household. Her mom raised her, and she has the same affinity for her mom, who also lives in Fort Wayne. So, um, yeah, neither one of us would ever, I made my mom move across town just to be closer to where we lived. And then I moved across town and now I'm making her doing a kid. Like I'm, I, I, and she, she works for me. I see her most every day. Um, so, okay. It was interesting to me too. And and again, when I was going through your bio, one of the things that, that I was thinking about as I was reading it was, okay, so you, some people would say you failed. Along your path to success, sure. right? yeah, absolutely. So some, sometimes we fall forward. While you're trying to struggle to make this, right? You got mm-hmm. a thirty thousand dollar a year job, mm-hmm. which at the time probably wasn't too bad, and especially at your age, right? No, yeah, I was happy with it for sure. sure. Yeah. So okay, what what lit a fire under you, or did somebody light a fire under you that said, "Okay, this is my path now. I'm going to start to capitalize on this." Uh, you know, actually, so one of my uh, the the manager that hired me at Biagi's, um, his name is Sherman Bell. So one of my best friends, Mark knows him pretty yeah. well. He's still around. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is an interesting story of a full circle type story. So he uh, he hired me at at Biagi's. Um, I was twenty one. He was like twenty seven or twenty eight. We we hit it off. Uh, same background. Grew up single moms and became really close friends. Uh, he mentored me a lot in the restaurant. Um, and, but left the industry after about three years of working there. Sherman would be, uh, his, his story is not mine to share, but uh, absolutely amazing story of a, an American, like, making it. Um, and as, as difficult as my youth circumstances were, I was, I was like silver spoon compared to Sherman. When I'm at the point that I met him, I was, you know, pretty down on myself. I I graduated eighth in my class in high school, and then I dropped out of college. And, you know, even loving the restaurant industry, there was a few years of just, like, self-loathing. And, like, what did I do? I I was just kind of hating myself. And then when I met Sherman, the more I got to know him, the more I thought, man, I have no excuse. This guy's way worse than me. Well, not way worse, but he, <laughs> he's he's overcome so much more yeah. than what I've ever had to, to, to deal with. And so... Um, I thought, I, I've got no excuses. So the more we got, became friends, we started talking. We started a real estate thing together. We bought duplexes, and it, he ended up leaving the industry, and I almost followed him. Um, but I got a great mentor that they hired at Biagi's to be a general, my general manager, and 
fell in love with what I was learning there, fell in love with what I was doing again. Um, but it, it was definitely Sherman that kind of lit that underneath me. And as I went on one trajectory through Biagi's and then eventually Baker Street, hopping home Proximo, um, I was able to circle back uh, five, six years ago and help Sherman um, buy and own a restaurant. So oh, he, he now owns a restaurant circle. in Fort Wayne, yeah. Um, but that was something that I was able to kind of like help him get through it, which I did so happily because I know what he helped me through. I mean, at the, at the time I met him, I was, again, 21, just in a really difficult time of my life. Um, and he, he did. He was that catalyst to light a fire. So That's awesome. Yeah. Hi, everyone. We want to take a quick moment to shout out our podcast sponsors. Now, first, you might be wondering who I am. So let me introduce myself. I am Hannah Hannigan, and normally I'm behind the camera as the videographer, but today I wanted to be in front of the camera to shout out the people who made this podcast possible. Barrett McNagney and Sweetwater Sound are the two sponsors of our podcast, and they're both located in Northeast Indiana. If you don't already know who they are, let me introduce them to you. We're going to start with Barrett McNagney. As Fort Wayne has grown, the Barrett Law Firm has grown with it. Founded in 1876, Barrett McNagney is one of the oldest law partnerships in Indiana and it's among one of the largest just in Northeast Indiana. They have the breadth of experience across a wide range of practice areas to provide you trusted legal counsel where and when you need it. And Sweetwater is actually the one we were able to purchase most of our audio and video gear from to make this podcast. So if you like how this podcast sounds or how it looks, be sure to check them out. Sweetwater, the nation's largest, and I would also add friendliest destination for music gear, is also your one-stop shop for all things podcasting. From audio interfaces, recording software, mixers, microphones, cameras, and lighting, Sweetwater has everything to get your podcast up and running. Enjoy personalized gear advice from their dedicated team of sales engineers, as well as free technical support to get your podcast connected and up and running. Really, what's not to love about that? So whether you already have a following or you're still chasing the next big thing, Sweetwater is going to be the ones to help you create a podcast that everyone will be talking about. So if you're interested in either of these companies, be sure to check out the links in our description. Now let's get back to the podcast. I've owned restaurants before myself. So, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I got to tell you, the business, for me, I'm more of a creative type, mm -hmm. if, if you can't tell. Can tell? Yeah. But I think, it's, it's, to me, I found it, stagnating in some cases because if you don't have the right people doing the operational efficiencies and the ordering and the predictive modeling really yeah that's that's where we had a heck of a time because in in new york in particular you're dealing with that lunch crowd and that's it you can't get the dinner crowd really you can't, okay no and it was it was partially a victim of circumstance of where where the restaurants are located but but what happens is you're you're depending upon that foot traffic you're depending upon the catering and you have it's hard to get those people to gravitate towards a dinner menu so that was that was probably the outside of the establishing the brand that was really that was my only creative outlet so you know, as you were doing all this stuff, like what stood in your way? Was it, was it, and, and the reason why I bring that up, and it's a little bit of a trick question, but the reason why I bring that up is do you think it was self imposed? Do you think there were specific people that were standing in your way? You know, I, I, I hate to say it this way, but nothing stood in my way. It was, 
I, even growing up as in a single parent household for the most part, um, God always had somebody like I, I had a, a, a male mentor at every stage. And, you know, sometimes that was my uncle. Sometimes it was a, a teacher, you know, sometimes it was even my dad, you know, but uh, and then, you know, at some point it was Sherman and uh, Ken Davenport, the, my GM at Biagi's. I I had encouragement people always pulling me back to what I should be doing the whole way, even when I was, as I was fighting that current. Um, and then even at the point when I, I got Baker Street, it was uh, a couple in Fort Wayne, Doug and Patty Wood, that that they, these two fools, uh, who I love the dearly. The Wood Foundation? Uh, that's his father. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Um, but they bought Baker Street in 2009 because it was going to close. And not because they wanted to own a restaurant, they didn't want to see people in 2009 lose their job. So they, over the course of like an hour conversation, uh, they they write this check for more money than I could imagine in my lifetime. And uh, the, the owners of Baker Street were going to close it down. And they basically said, hey, here you go, in an hour. And we'll, we'll take care. We'll take all your debt. We'll take everything. We'll, we'll take our chances. And... Um, I, Sorry, where where are you at this point? Are you managing the restaurant at this point? I'm at I'm at Biagi's. You're still at Biagi's. So at this point. so okay, the, so I'll backtrack. The 2005, I got married. Um, 2006, I um, we we had our daughter, and I'm working 90 hours a week in the restaurant. People say that all the time, but I really was. There was two managers. Oh, yeah. I'm working open to close six days a week, um, and my wife and I are just things aren't going well at all. And I'm in a Bible study with John Bars, who's a partner at Barrett McNagney. And um, uh, he's telling me, hey, man, you got you to gotta gotta get, get out of the restaurant. You got to do something else. But, you know, I didn't graduate college. Uh, I don't have any other work experience. And I'm thinking. This is your path. Yeah, there, I don't have another way to go. Right. I can't. Now I'm making 35000 I can't go to, to, <laughs> to $7 an hour, which was the wage at that point, and start over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so John sent me to three different companies in Fort Wayne, uh, one of which was 8020, who Doug Wood yep. was an owner of. And now fast forward a few months, and I'm walking into 8020 with this super hyped-up resume of, you know, my high school GPA, basically, <laughs> you know, with some college classes. The, you know, there's nothing else on the page. Also attended college. <laughs> for so, And so I tell him, like, look, I'm just trying to, I mean, long story short, I'm trying to start over in an industry where I can pay for bills and, keep my family fed, uh, but have a chance at, at keeping my marriage. It was April of 08. From April of 08 to October of 08, I interviewed at 8020. I made 19 trips to Columbia City, which is where 8020 is, 19. They were, that's a mixture of interviews, aptitude exams, personality exams, um, shadowing. I, I used every vacation I had to, to spend time to try to get this job. I, like, it, there, there probably wasn't a person I didn't know at eighty twenty, and he was the guy cutting in the grass. Meet him too. Yeah, you know? like and I was like anything. My last interview in September October was with Doug's dad, Don, and talked to him for a couple hours. And you know, he's like, well, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Don, anything. Like just if if I can make at least thirty five thousand a year, so I can pay the bills, I will be your hardest worker. I promise." He's like, "Yeah, you could do anything here." It's like. Great. I'm thinking like, we got it. We're, we're going to be there. And uh, so um, he's like, yeah, Julie, I'll give you a call, the HR manager. And so I, I go home, 
couple days go by, week goes by. So after two weeks, I finally, I, I, I break down, I call him like, hey, I'm just checking. And she's like, James, we just laid off her whole third shift. I, I, I've been dreading, I, we, can't, we can't hire you because we've got to find right. positions for them. I'm like, for sure, I get it. Fast forward one year and it's 09, again in August. And this conversation with Doug and his wife, Patty, happened with these first uh, financiers of Baker Street. And Doug had written a check, and Doug calls me on a Sunday afternoon at Biagi's. He's like, hey, do you remember me, Doug? And I'm like, yeah, I remember you. What's going on? And I had literally just worked open to close Friday, Saturday, and I was opening on Sunday. I hadn't been home but for like five hours. I was so excited to hear his voice. And he's like, I'd like to talk to you. I was like, great. I get off at five, maybe six o'clock. And he's like, okay, well, let's meet at Starbucks. But then he showed up at, to Baker Street or to Biagi's to have lunch. And with his wife, his uh, two of his daughters, and his son, and I'm like thinking, like, what is happening? This is going to be great. And he's like, we want to talk to you. We bought a restaurant, and this is a probably a public podcast. But the words that were in my head were like, you can't even say out loud. Like, it, right. like he wants you to double down in the industry. Really, I, I, yeah. I said, I just stood there dumbfounded. I was like, what were you thinking? Like, why would you do that? And uh, I was like, I, my. If there was a, def- if you could see the the balloon deflating I was in my say, like, deflation. I was like, this is stupid. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to play it off, and uh, I was like, well, I, you know, I got to work right now, and and I said, I'll just meet you at Starbucks. And so I went over there, and there I was like, Doug, that's the stupidest thing a smart man has ever done. Why did you buy a restaurant? And he said, uh, look, the restaurant was going out of business, and. Uh, that one of the partners had a husband who had just passed. And he said, uh, the Bible says take care of widows and orphans. We had the money in the bank. Like, it would have been a huge sin just to say we're not going to try to help people at the expense so we could save money. So we had to do it. And I was like, wow. I, I, I mean, I'll admit, like, growing up really poor, I had this disdain for people that weren't poor. Like, if you had money in my mind, you were just evil. Um, and... It shattered every stereotype that I ever had of, of somebody. And, and still to this day, 15, 20, 15 years later, they continue to shadow or shatter stereotypes for me. But um, I don't really have them anymore. But anyway, uh, he, I, I told him, like, hey, I don't want to go there. I'll, I'll totally go work for you at 8020. But I will also, every night off, every morning off, I'll help you over there. I'll do consulting. I'll tell you everything I know about the restaurant industry. Uh, you don't have to pay me. I just want to help you help them. So two or three months go by of me doing that. And Doug is always dropping hints of, you know, hey, why don't you come over to It'd Baker Street? would be great to have. Yeah, 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 yeah. why don't you just do this? And sure. I'm like, there's no chance. I love Biagis. I love my boss. I, I, if I wanted to work in a restaurant, it's here. Right. And I already uh, have a job I don't want. Yeah, exactly. Like I have a, I have <laughs> you a job. I can get a second job and not get paid for it. And yeah, I have a job that's that's ruining my marriage. Like I don't. Why would I take a second one? So finally, it, he push comes to shove, and he's like, "Listen, what is your deal? Like, why are you not quitting?" And uh, I'm like, "Doug, I, I can't do this. This would require even more work for me. I have a child. I have a wife. I have bills to pay. I can't take this kind of a risk." And um, I, I said, I've, I've got $30,000 of debt. Like, I can't just, it doesn't matter what you pay me. I'm, I'm not in a position to do this. And, uh, well, actually, before I, that was the second. First, I said, like, I don't want to come work for uh, this guy that was the GM there. 
Like that's just, I, I have a great GM here. And I said, no respect, no disrespect. I don't want to come work for you in a restaurant. I well, would do it even, if, even sometimes you choose the devil you do know, right? Right, yeah. So he's like, you're misunderstanding. You're not going to work for me. You won't even work for uh, this, this general manager. He can work for you if you want. You go there, you run it. It's your thing. And, you know, pay me back what I put into it, and then you can have it. Wow. And I'm like, ah, man, that's an amazing offer. And then that's why I, I said, I just, I can't take that risk. I've got all this debt. I've got a child to feed. And so he, he writes me a check for the amount of the debt that I told him. And he says, here. And I'm like, Doug, I, I can't pay back Chase. How am I going to pay you back? Like, this isn't, that's not how this works. And he's like, it's a signing bonus. Like, what, you don't have to pay me back. Like, do this. That Take a so chance. Cool. It's amazing. And I still told him I didn't know if I could do it. I said, I have to talk to my wife. So I went home, and my wife and I talked. We prayed about it. John Bars, like, this whole time was integral in my, like, counseling. And uh, ultimately, we decided it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. And um, so I, I t- literally tearfully put in my notice at Biagi's and started at uh, Baker Street. I worked to shift. Saturday morning at Biagi's, and I was at Baker Street that night. Wow. Um, Which you would have been anyways. Which I would have been anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just getting money for a it. Different table, yeah. And, so. and, uh, and the wife was pleased with the move? Uh, well, I, I think the, the opportunity to be out of debt and, um, and yeah, have a chance. So it, I, I asked Doug this, like, what if I fail? What am I going to do? He's like, it, your debt compared to what we've put into this restaurant is really negligible. So if you fail, uh, at least you gave it a shot and gave me some peace of mind. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. Just Like, if you fail, you start fresh. Get, you, know, you walk away. See, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say? Yeah, oh. what were your, re- I mean, what were your reservations? I know you were, you know, connected with the people at Biagi's, whatever, trying to maybe get out of the restaurant industry. I mean, once he makes the offer of the, you know, clearing your debt, it seems like, where do I sign would be the answer. Uh, yeah. w- was there Was there any part of that was just your self-doubt of Fear? whether you could whether you could pull it <laughs> off? Uh, there were, uh, man, humbly, I would love to say yes. I felt like I could do it. Yeah. Um, I, I had, I had opportunities at Biagi's to step up. I, I wasn't even a general manager there, but I was acting GM in Fort Wayne for a few years and I had chances to go to Missouri or Chicago or, uh, even Rochester to be a GM. And I just didn't want to leave my mom. Um, so I, I felt capable. Um, my, my biggest fear was, I guess, not being able to turn around fast enough and pay Doug back. Or I, I'm not like a half effort person. Um, so I felt like if I go here, I'm going to be there. And, and I was. The first year or two years I was there, open to close every day. We weren't open on Sundays. So I worked open to close Monday through Saturday. And... Um, I, we took Sundays. I took half of Sunday off, and then I would go in Sunday night and work on stuff. So my my biggest fear was probably, like, I wanted to get out of the industry for my marriage, yeah. and so I was really scared that it would cost me my marriage. Mm-hmm. So um, leaning into more responsibility. Yeah, and just I remember I remember on Christmas um, that first year, like I had a stack of invoices, and I'm going through like there there weren't systems or procedures like like that I corporation would have and so I'm like working on this project to code out our inventory and on Christmas day and like my mom uh jumped in and helped and my wife was helping and um I just remember thinking like thank god that they're supporting this because 
one, it needs to be done. I don't have any other time to do it. And I, I'm stealing from them uh, yeah. to do this. So, yeah, that my, my, my biggest fear was my... I, growing up the way I grew up, like, I have a good relationship with my father today. I did not for most of my childhood. Um, and so I, all I ever wanted to be was a husband and a father. And so, like, to, the thought of maybe losing that... Uh, that's that is and it still is the scariest thing in my life so james um you accept this gig in 2009 so i mean 2008 2009 we're coming out of a recession so you start your effectively your kind of ownership journey at one of the worst times and we're kind of coming out of one of the the second maybe first worst time in your ownership journey which is covid uh kind of the global pandemic how did you, you know, what did you do to survive that second kind of stint? And did you learn anything from that first real challenge that helped you kind of weather that storm? Well, I think like, so one, just so you you know the story of how I got into this in the first place, right? So that's like a, like you couldn't even draft that in Hollywood mm-hmm. to be real. Like for somebody to be like, ah, I'll give it to you. Just pay me back. So um, so my my faith in God has just always always grown and and going through 2009 and him making that successful uh when COVID happened uh, honestly my first thought when COVID happened was like okay this is it this is how because I'm not a I'm I'm not a quitter it's it's really difficult for me to quit things um so my first thought was like well this is God's way of letting me out of this without having to quit and because and not that I I wasn't at that stayed seeking to be out of restaurants um but i thought maybe there's something else for me but i'm not a quitter so we we laid off every march 16th i think the governor's order came out and uh march 17th we laid off our whole staff um and there was no at the it took 10 days or so before the government announced uh any sort of help the first thing that was announced was the eidl loan economic injury disaster loans and then at the end of March, they announced the PPP, or somewhere towards the end of March. Um, so in those 10 days, I I probably slept maybe 15 to 20 hours total. I mean, I just, I spent all day trying to get our staff hired uh, somewhere else, and there's there's nowhere for them to go. Everything's closed right. down. Right. So we're, we're working on that. We're trying to get unemployment. Unemployment office was just a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Um, and I spent all night trying to like research. There was like ev- everybody was shut down, and so there's all kinds of um, articles being written about what could be done. Is there going to be a bailout? Is there going to be this? And so I, I'm reading like daily briefs on what is Congress doing, what's what's the president talking about. And um, when the EIDL stuff came out, I that night, the day that I found out about that, I stayed up all night reading about it, and I applied for all of our businesses the next morning. Um, when the PPP stuff came out, I, I read that entire, uh, the entire law. Like, I mean, I don't know if lawyers read the entire, there's, you probably should, but Mark you know, doesn't, yeah. but most of them. Right, right. The good yeah. ones too. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> Mark, I has, Mark pays people to read for him. I mean, John, I mean, John very powerful guy. John, John, John Barst definitely John Barst, would. Right. Yeah. Oh, he's a stand up type he, guy. He got, he got in there. He yeah. got in there. Yeah. But I, I, I felt like. It was all up to me, um, and and I mean, as knowing that God was there to help me. But I felt like, okay, God has given me this drive. I've got to, 
I had, we had 300 employees at, at that time. And in my mind, I had failed all of them. I mean, there were, there were, there were people that have never done anything else in their life, <clears throat> but restaurants that, that trusted us yep. for their employer that, that didn't have jobs. And so I was like, I can't let these people down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I became, I mean, an expert in that. Uh, we got our, we were the first ones to apply for PPP loans at, at our bank anyways. We got all of our money like that first week. And if you remember that first round of PPP, nobody got money. No. Like it was gone in 12 days. Yep. Um, and when that happened, then, I mean, they're working on PPP round two, but I spent the next month just trying to help everybody I knew. Like <clears throat> a lot of people that were with big banks were like kind of brushed aside for big companies. And so I was bringing a lot of those people into Bipis State Bank where, where I bank at and um, just trying to pull everyone in to get them lined up to get the second round right away. Um, and I felt like 2020 was a marathon sprint of like, what do we have to change? How quickly do we have to change it? We've got to, we've got to adapt here, 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 here. And from like getting a chance to open in May, but under extreme restrictions, we, I, I think we opened May 12th, maybe. The first day we were open at Baker Street, somebody called the governor of Indiana and um, he called the Fort Wayne Fire Marshal and they came to inspect us. And because I didn't, most people took half their tables out of their restaurant to get to 50% capacity. And I used geometry to measure six feet of space in between every seat and sat people at specific places without losing very many tables to try mm-hmm. to. Because you, you've got... Your engineering background. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, there it was. That's awesome. There's $50,000 at Purdue well spent. How do I use physics? <laughs> yeah, you know, how do I use physics you know to keep yeah. a restaurant open? How do I use physics to make sure my wife doesn't kill me? Yeah. Um, I heard your name, not just because I associate it with the actor, um, but I heard your name a lot when I was coming here to join NEI. And I got to tell you, I mean, meeting you today, what a great guy. I think... You know, just your attitude. You have an aura around you, and it's not just because of our backlighting, but I think or the or the beers he brought or the beers yeah, he brought. Yeah. Which thank you for that again. Yeah. You know, James, can you? Yeah, have another one. I think the the one thing that I I think our listeners and 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 viewers would really like to hear from you is any philosophical things that you have because it sounds to me like you, you just have this i always say passion perseverance those are the things that are going to make you and yeah. if you've got yeah. purpose in your life and there's there's struggling kids out there coming out of college they can't find jobs people are down on their luck you know it's 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 a hard economy right now yeah. so what advice would you give to somebody who's up and coming that you've made it through, and you've really made it through. I mean, I got to tell you, first of all, I love your restaurants, and I wouldn't just say Thank that you. either. I, I do. appreciate it. And uh, we all do. But you're kind of legendary around here. So th- th- these these up-and-coming kids, what would you want to tell somebody who's behind you and in, in, uh, in the path of life? I would say, one, I mean, perseverance is, is crucial. You can't just give up. Like, if, if, if something is hard, it just means you have to work harder. And I, I kind of look at it like a battle. Um, the, the the hardest thing for me today is that people think nice things about me and I lo- I don't want to say I liked it better but I think I liked it better when everyone doubted me 
Like you like it, to be the underdog. I loved. Up? Yeah, I love being. I love being told I can't do something. Um, and then I'm like, I'm about to show you, I can do that. I bet um, you can't treat us to dinner. I, I bet you you can't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's easy, man. That's not even a challenge. <laughs> it's not he's even not, a challenge. Yeah. I, I'm the owner. He's, yeah. gonna bother, he's not going to bother with that one. But uh, I think that, like, one, don't give up. And and two, the world isn't against you. Um, I Even when you feel like it. Even when you feel like it is, they, there's so many people that want to help you. Um, I am a, a culmination of a thousand people that have helped me get to this place. I've had so much help to get here. Like it, it would have never happened without a village. Um, so I, I would say you have to persevere, be willing to trust, and in my mind, you have to put other people before you. So for sure, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things to help my daughters and my wife, like my daughters in particular, not have the life I had growing up. Our philosophy is to do that by helping other people first. So in, in hospitality, like the whole industry is bent on taking care of somebody else. Yeah. Right? We, we work on Christmas Eve, on New Year's Eve, on Valentine's Day, so you can go out with your family on Christmas Eve, on New Year's Eve, on Valentine's Day. So there's some sacrifice that, that comes with that. If you do that with a loving heart, it would, with a, a desire for, for your guests to have an experience, like that is going to transcend any sort of system or procedure that you could have because you're you're putting somebody else first and and people realize when they're put in front of you like and they appreciate it right so it just it only drives more loyalty but for the right reason like people will come to the restaurants prayerfully because we want to say yes like whatever your question is like will I make you a beef wellington at baker street yeah i will it, if it's Saturday at 7.30 and you want it at 7.31, like, I, I can't do it now, but it, make a reservation and let me know two days in advance, and I'll, we'll prep it because we've got chefs and cooks that wow. like to do that stuff. So we want to say You know what? I, I, I have a philosophy that I think people put out what comes back to them. Mm, I really yeah. think they do. And I think that you probably invited a lot of that stuff, and you're very modest that you don't give yourself the credit for that. Well, and genuinely, I didn't. I don't think I deserve it. Like I, I, I mean, see, I, I think it, I deserve it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it, yeah, I mentioned Doug and Patty. There's John Nichols and Tim Ash. I've, I've been given so much, like by other people. Something you said earlier made me think about your uh, the, the real estate development you have going on right now. Is you know you kind of liked uh, better when you were the underdog. I guess right. uh, you know when, when you shift out of the restaurant world, your your comfort zone there. And, and shift into something as, as dramatic as a, a residential real estate development, or I guess with a mixed-use component as well, yes, as I understand it. Use, Le- yeah. Leave it uh, to the real estate attorney. Though. Yeah, i got to get right. into yeah, real yeah, estate. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got the experience. So tell me about that process, and, and, and how did you get to this point? And I was actually driving around 469 just today and see that you got roads in and uh, yeah. a kind of boulevard look, and, yeah. and it's looking great. So Thank you. Yeah, um, we wanted to build a pool. At our house, at way southwest, and I didn't want to invest money into a pool if we ended up moving northeast to to go get closer to Blackhawk Christian where our kids go to school. So then we couldn't find a house northeast that we wanted to buy. Then we couldn't find a lot to build a house northeast that we wanted to, to build on. So a couple friends and I found this nine-acre parcel. We thought, well, we'll just we'll all build a, a house, and then we'll split this up, and we can afford it that way. We started down that path, took about six months, didn't get anywhere. Um, and we found a 20 acre and thought, well, this isn't that much bigger. And then that didn't work. And we found a 50 acre. It's like, well, that's not that much bigger than a 20. 
And then uh, that didn't work. We found a 75. And then a great friend of mine, John Nichols, is a, a professional real estate developer. Sure. And uh, he was who I was bouncing ideas off of. And so I sent him this 50-acre parcel. And he's like, he shows me this 200-acre parcel that is not even listed. Um, That's a lot bigger than 50. It's a lot bigger. But yeah. it, like, I, I thought you were a math guy. I kind yeah. of, it's, I know. I, I just kept thinking because I was studying this whole time on how to do it, right? So I'm learning without doing. I didn't intend to do it myself. Um, I thought, well, let's see if I can like buy this. And then by this time, I'm on the, the Regional Development Authority Board and I'm getting involved in economic type things and development and I, I toured Carmel and um, I saw their mixed use development. I thought, man, we need to do this in Fort Wayne. So this is all happening at the time that I'm negotiating to buy this land. And uh, I so I start kind of casting this vision and Ron Dick at Design Collaborative was really helpful in, in helping me with that. And um, we close on the land and so I start trying to sell the vision to professional developers. And they're good at what they do, and there isn't a reason for them to do anything different because they're they're good. They're making money. They've sure. they've got things going, and so I uh, thought, well, if you won't do it, then I will. And um, I enlisted a lot of different people. I have fourteen different investors in that thing, and uh, so we we wanted to build a, a neighborhood in Fort Wayne that's more akin to Forest Park and Arlington Park and neighborhoods that are investing into public or like end user infrastructure so right. there's three different parks on site there's trails through the woods there's cart paths between ponds and um like you said boulevards with yeah. trees that are already lining them yeah. because we want the end user to develop a, a community and if you think about uh great neighborhoods in fort wayne those houses get listed and sell right away and more often than not Hey, Mark, I'm selling my house. Well, hold on, wait. Mm -hmm. My friend has been trying to get in here, right? And they never even get listed. Sure. So that was the idea behind it. Um, I think having the mixed use, like the commercial residential mix. So we're, we have restaurants maybe lined up to go in there. Um, where and would you find such a place? I don't know. Where, where could you? I don't know. So Some, uh, some fool that would open a restaurant. It, I don't know. For sure. He is a fool. <laughs> um, and we've got uh, some some activity driven things like maybe like a pickleball type thing. I know that, well, that ace pickleball just came to town, yeah. but this would yep. be more of a, a quaint, smaller, um, thing for, I mean, the commercial area is 300, 300 or 240,000 square feet. So it'd be like kind of a town square with high end apartments and condos. And then you have this retail on the first floor with some medical coffee shops, restaurants, and just activities to do. And I think that that's, that is, if I could put my finger on something that's helped downtown development, it's people want to be downtown because there's stuff to do downtown, sure. right? So uh, I think eventually the next stage of evolution for Fort Wayne is going to be mixed-use developments that are further away from town. And if you look at Indianapolis or Chicago, uh, you have those areas that people go to. Oh yeah, that are that are not necessarily downtown. No, you don't New go downtown City was the latest. One, yeah, just outside of the. Well, so, you you can see that even in Fort Wayne, is the corridor communities, Wells Street, and some of yep. those really oh, build yeah. up, and that's East how State it used to be. Now, but yep. now you're looking at with different economic centers like the Regional Medical Center and different yeah. in different parts of the community. It makes sense to build that out. It's really smart. Yeah, and I I, th I think especially like if you're you have to if you're building a house right now. I, I think I don't know how. Don't quote me on this part, but 
when we were filing for our permits to build a residential neighborhood inside city limits, I remember people in the planning department like nobody has built a neighborhood in city limits in quite I don't know I've got they, I don't know how many times they had to go look something up sure because residential developments mm-hmm. in the Fort Wayne area are happening in the county right so it it's just been a long time but I love being in in the city and having proximity to things and I I just don't think I'm alone in it so I'm I'm betting that it's uh, I'm not a, I'm not alone and that people are going to want to do it. I like it. The Eagle Talon accident leads you to owning multiple restaurants. Yes. <laughs> the need for the pool. Now you have a, uh, a couple hundred acre yeah, uh, uh, mixed-use uh, development here. Yeah. It, it starts off small, but it gets uh, it, it grows exponentially in a hurry with you, James. Imagine yeah. the economic activity we'd have in America if they hadn't discontinued the Eagle Talon. Oh, my God. You, yeah, you have no clue. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to admit this, but that was my winter car. Oh, nice. Was it your winter car? Yeah. yeah. Nice. The Eagle Talon. I, I I looked one up the other day to just for nostalgia. Like they're eighteen twenty thousand dollars. Oh wow! I bought mine for like two. Yeah. Wow. Like, it, it's like because Fast and the Furious, I think, like made there it. There you go. Probably. Yeah. 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 What, and, and the name of the development? I don't think uh, the villages of Arneo. Okay. So, when, when is that uh, launching? It's it's there are uh, three houses under construction right now. Wow. So the residential side is is done. They've, we would have. If it wasn't for the the wet weather, we would already have the trees in, the cart paths in, the trails are already through the. There's 32 acres of woods with trails in them already. Get out of here. Um, and apartments are going to start being built this fall in September. Um, we've got some. Uh, maybe it's either going to be duplexes or it's going to be a, like uh, villas um, that are. We're in negotiations with a couple different contractors on that to to do that piece and. We're actually already starting to try to line up meetings with commercial developers to partner on the commercial side. Good for so, you, man. Yeah, really? we, we've been really, I mean, God has been unfathomably good. Wow. So, Okay, now this is the, the wrap-up. So typically what we do is we have rapid-fire questions, and Mark is going to be asking you those, I believe, this time. Yep. Yeah. So these are just quick either-ors, and it kind of helps us promote the region. All right, let's hit you with the rapid fire. Rapid fire. fire. All right. right. Uh, Comets or tin caps? Tin caps. Um, DeBrand chocolate or Coney Island hot dogs? Coney Island. Okay. (laughs) That was a tough one. He's getting a phone call. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. he's getting two phone calls. Sorry, Kathy. Three Rivers Festival or Johnny Appleseed Festival? Um, hmm. Johnny Appleseed. Um, well, this is an easy one for you. Uh, if someone's visiting or, or new to your county, where you take them to eat? You know, actually, I would say hideout, uh, junk okay. ditch, uh, Taj Mahal, um, maybe uh, Copper Spoon, um, Catablu, uh, Mercado, um, Talone. That's that's oh, and uh, Asakusa. Yeah, short list there. Yeah. A, lo- a long trip. Yeah, a long trip. <laughs> hey, come hungry. What a, what a humble if guy. If you come in, come hungry. Uh- um, uh, if you had to make a Northeast Indiana essentials list or bucket list of best experiences in the region, you just gave us a bunch of restaurants to go to. What's the, maybe the best experience in the region you think you can, uh, hmm. go engage Man, in? Man, I'm such a lame person. Well, it sounds like they could just go up to your new development and hang out there and, For sure. uh, and enjoy yeah. all the activities. Yeah. So. Number one activity Newman. would be purchasing a new, uh, residence <laughs> yeah. at, uh, Villages of Arnie. Building a new lots house. available. So. Let's get pictures of it. <laughs> you know, I, I would say if there's a new experience, is experience the people that are here. Yeah. Like, they, this is a, if you're coming from outside of this area, and, and maybe, Jonathan, you can speak to this, but it's, it's the, 
in my mind, the best town in America. It's definitely, it, it captures a little bit of uh, things to do, and it captures a whole lot of, like, people that care. Yeah. So I, I really love being here. Wow, so. couldn't have said it better. Um, so, But he'll try right now. But I'll try right now. To, <laughs> I'll try to sum all this up with Eagle Talon. Um, you know, the, the last thing that, that I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk on real quick, because we've got to wrap this up, is, is there anything you want to say to that kid that pinned you in nine seconds? Hey man, thanks a lot. Like you, you, uh, he motivated me. Like and uh, he, he was really kind and gracious. So I, I hope he, I hope he's done well in life. Good for so, you, man. Yeah. You know, I, I can't thank you, thank you for joining us today. Sincerely, thank you for the beer. Can't thank you enough for that. And congratulations on all your success. I, I am so honored to meet you, and I, and oh, I truly, truly mean that because I hear your name all over the place, and now I finally get to meet you. Um, and Mark Baines, our good friend, who we're always, he's always open for drinking beer with me and Ryan. We very much appreciate that as well. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, do all that stuff you're supposed to do online. And thank you again to our guests. Really appreciate it, guys. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Mark. And to the Barrett family in Sweetwater for helping us put this together. Always. Our pleasure.